We met on the gram, became instant BFFs, and we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexa Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not, Not Your, Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives. We talk guns, personal safety, shared lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vav because you, you can, can sit with, with us. Ask yourself this question, should I send my kids to public school? Should I send, should, is, should my kids absolutely go to college? I am here to tell you and introduce you to a woman today that we would all probably say absolutely 100% without a doubt, no. <laughs> like if you are questioning and saying like, well, but like, are they really indoctrinating our children? And is that really happening? I mean, uh, 100%. It's 100% it's yes. And you guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Annabella. We, I heard your show, yeah. or I heard your episode on Poplitics. Um, we're going to give Poplitics a shout out. Alex Clark is our dear friend, and your episode was one of my favorite episodes. Yes. Uh, and it was, it was so extremely eye-opening. Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole time I listened, I was just like, what? I know. <laughs> I was I was shocked, and now I want our audience to kind of hear your story. But let it. me really yeah. fast disclaim, when I first heard your episode... This was not what I was yeah. picturing. <laughs> like, I had this crunchy granola, mm -hmm. like, vision in my... I was thinking really short, brown hair, glass. I don't know. I just yeah. had this whole vision. Yeah, I was like, like oh. when you hear it, you, you start just kind of putting, like... You know, you automatically kind of, like, build, like, a vision of someone. So if you're just listening to this episode, when you're done, take what you think... <laughs> You thought Annabelle looked like, and then go head over to our YouTube and like go go check her out. <laughs> go check her out. Okay, so give us give us some background yeah. on who you were as a child growing up and what your family life was kind of like from a political standpoint. Okay, absolutely, and thank you guys so much for having of me course. and for plugging Alex's show. I love Alex. I loved going yeah. on the spillover. It, she asked very good questions. I know she's like one of my favorite hosts, and you'll get a lot more on her show. So actually, go back and re-listen to that yeah. episode because well, we don't have as much well. time. Time to dive into yeah. all of this as Alex did, but she'll, you'll get a lot of uh, detail on that show. So the really quick is I'm an only child, so just keep that in mind for my poor parents. I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a young millennial, so then the world definitely revolves around me. <laughs> I'm from New York City originally. I grew up, uh, you know, going to church on the weekends. I would say that my family today is considered conservative, but back then it was just normal, you know. Loved America. Like I said, from New York, from New York City, so appreciated other cultures. Had um, the values of, you know, treat everyone the way you want to be treated, love everyone, like pretty straightforward stuff, love your country, freedom, we're so blessed to be here, you know, basic, what you think would be very sure. basic mm -hmm. American principles. Um, I traveled a lot as a, as a young child, being the only one. My mom made a point of trying to show me the world, exposed me to a lot. We also lived abroad for a bit. We lived in the Bahamas for, for four years and... Uh, fast forward now, my parents both live in Florida, but again, very well-rounded. I was an athlete. I figure skated, so I had, you know, principles of waking up early and going after something that I loved. I always had jobs. Um, that's kind of me in a nutshell, how I grew up, and very close to my family, like very close to my grandmother, very close to my aunts and uncles, like just, you know, 
again, only child. Yeah. <laughs> Were you growing up in a public school or did you go know, to a private school through I, junior high, high school? I went to private schools. Uh, as a young girl, I actually went to girls' schools, my, the same school that my mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother went to in New York City, which is super cool. Oh, I wow. I that tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of- and tradition, totally a part it's of like my... building a foundation, yeah, setting you up, yeah. Of my upbringing. Um, so I, I was very blessed that my mom, no matter the financial circumstance, she was like, we're going to get you into a private school. She really valued education, which mm. <laughs> I think <laughs> turned around and kind of bit her <laughs> a little bit. So as you're graduating high school, how would you describe your worldview? So I always loved um, student government because I liked you know, being part of a community and public service. I was not political. I didn't, I was open-minded, I would say, and that may have been my downfall. I was really open-minded to sort of everything. I was young. I wanted to learn, um, very eager to learn and go off to school at 18, but I didn't, politically, I, I don't think I said I was a Democrat or a Republican, per se, but I was like, you know. Did you vote in your first election when you turned 18? So my first election I could vote at was when I was already on campus, already in okay. college. Yes. Okay. And in fact, I did. I voted for Mitt Romney because my grandmother told me to vote for Mitt Romney. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I remember that I, I didn't love President Obama. And I, it's so interesting because I really didn't love a lot of, I thought that he negatively brought race into things. So that was sort of my mindset going into school. Okay. 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 You know, that was my sophomore year was the first election. I voted for Romney. I learned very quickly not to tell anyone that. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So like that type of having to silence, like, your beliefs was already happening, like, back then. Yes. Yeah. Because I entered college in the fall of 2011. I graduated in 2015. So this was like years before. I I think that colleges are the breeding ground for all the social movements we're seeing. So I was, Mount Holyoke is where I went in Western Massachusetts. Ground zero. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. So that was my next, like, where did you go to school? So set us up. So you graduate from, you graduate from high school and you're ready to go. Like was, how many schools did you apply to or was this the one school you wanted to go to? How did you choose this school? I looked at a bunch of schools. I was graduating from a prep school in Florida, in Boca, and so I knew I wanted New England quintessential, like, uni- you know, university from the like 1800s. The char- fall charm. Yes, yeah. I wanted all of that. And I so I looked at the Seven Sisters and the Ivy Leagues. The Ivy Leagues were a stretch for me, so I was <laughs> like, okay, let's try the Seven Sisters or the women's college components. They're still academically rigorous, but, like, a little bit easier to get so into. So you, you wanted to go to an all-women's Yeah, I wanted to go to the most academically rigorous school that I could go to. And my mindset was, I've never had a problem finding friends. I've always had a problem finding the classroom. So if I put myself (laughs) in an environment that's like, everyone's going to be smarter than me, this is great. So I I did have that mindset that like, I have something to learn from everyone, which made me, perhaps made me as impressionable as I was. I I don't know. So you choose Mount Holyoke as your school. You know, I did not know a ton about Mount Holyoke until my good friend Antonio Okafor mm-hmm. um, went and did a speech there. Uh-huh. And <laughs> are you familiar with this? There. No, but I... So I, she I, went yeah. to go do... And mind you, this is a all-women's school. Yes. She's going to talk about what she feels like is an empowering speech to women about uh-huh. taking their safety into their own hands. Uh-oh. And she goes to talk about <laughs> the Second Amendment Uh-oh. and be a firearms <laughs> proponent. 
and I believe she had to get security. I'll have to fact check this, but like to get out of there. But she said it was the most hostile environment wow. towards herself as a woman, wow. trying to empower these other women to protect and defend oh themselves that she's ever encountered in her entire life. Did you, does that sound about on, on par for what's going on at that school? Oh, yeah. Okay. One, so of my, oh, go ahead. one of my courses, it was a history class. And again, like I said, this school was founded in 1837. All of the professors have Ivy League degrees and are career academics. I mean, it is considered top, you know, top notch, world renowned. And one of my history classes, one of the professors took us outside and taught us how to protest, like had us marching in a circle. And at this point, I already was like, I drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, yeah. And we were marching around saying no justice, no peace. Oh my God. Yeah. So what was it when you first showed up to Mount Holyoke before, as you said, like you drank the Kool-Aid, like what was, like how far into that were, did it just start? Like you were like, kind of like soaking it all in and things like, you, I, I hate to use this word, but like you were like getting brainwashed yeah. into like this whole new like mind. Yeah, was there a class? Was like, there what, a like, conversation? There was a class. There was a class. I took gender <laughs> studies. Nobody take gender studies. You're going to Freshman school. Freshman year. It's a bunch of nonsense. I took it my junior year. Okay. So the the foundation of kind of easing into that was, you know, I enter school and right away, so, you know, I present, I'm, I'm very girly, I'm kind of preppy, and I got there, and it was culture shock right away because you're totally can encourage to change your whole style and make it more granola, make it more androgynous. Like, it's very cool. You want to cut your hair. You're kind of told to stick it to the patriarchy by rejecting, you know, femininity. And who's telling you this? Teachers, classmates? So it's peers, but then the teachers embody that. Is it okay. unspoken or is it spoken? Uh, it's spoken. Okay, so it's they spoken. are wow. actually yeah. So they like, you. they're yeah. like trade your Louboutins like, for sorry. Birkenstocks? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I've got Birkenstocks on now. I love Birkenstocks. <laughs> to say, hold on, bad analogy, because I also have Birkenstocks and Louboutins in my closet, but, but they're literally like, you need to throw these. Yes. Like this. this was not okay. Correct. Take it from Al Woods to, you know, whatever, yeah. I don't even know the antithesis of that. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. Some hippie, I don't Did know. Did you cut your hair? I experimented with fun colors. So I never cut my hair, but I did dye it pink. We had some, like, colored highlights for a bit, like, rainbow underneath my hair. Yeah. So I did play around with it. Okay. Is this in an off, effort though. to fit into a culture like you didn't feel like you could fit in just with their values and beliefs if you didn't change really everything about who you were yeah there's so much emphasis on like representation and how you appear I think you know there's such the emphasis in kind of leftism of identity is based on how you look, which is so ironic because diversity is meant to be of thought and of experience and background, but instead it's of race, you know, sex, sexual orientation. So yeah, I'm like blonde, blue-eyed to be a little more fun and different. You know, I got some pink highlights and <laughs> like, what, I, like, I like pink like, anyway, say, like, whatever. You may, like, Sometimes the first... I try to wear flannel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's say whatever the first like physical appearance change that you made, did you notice that like they were like more accepting or treating you differently, like one of their own? Did that like happen? Okay, here's a here's oh, an no. anecdote. <laughs> um, I tried out my my first year. I tried out for the crew team because they had open tryouts. It was something I'd never done. I was like, okay, whatever. And I remember I tried out and it was a little bit hostile. Nobody wanted me to join, okay? And I had another friend and we kind of joked. I was like, will you hold my hand on the bus to make it look like we're, we're going to practice like together? She's like, yeah. 
And I'm not kidding. Like, I made friends that day. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, so, so what was it about these people that made you try so hard to be accepted by them? I mean, you're young. Yeah. It's yeah. college. It's it's fun. It's exciting. I almost, it's funny, before I totally changed my, my beliefs, I actually almost transferred. My sophomore year, I was looking at other schools. And, you know, God's plan, I'm here today, so it all worked out. But part of me, you know, I wish I had. I wish I could have spared myself a lot of years of being brainwashed, you know, questioning everything about me, what I stood for, what I believed in. I think that you get there and, and you're told that, you know, gender's a spectrum. There's a lot of girls on campus that look like boys and they didn't look like that before they got there, but then they change all of a sudden. You know, I try not to put too much emphasis on the student body because they were young and impressionable. Mm -hmm. Like instead it should be the administration and the teachers that are watching as all of this unfolds. Like they've got to think it's kind of weird everyone's all of a sudden conforming to the same mm -hmm. style, right? Right? Like, it's like if maybe they just, you know, like when you're in it, you don't see it yeah. until like you stepped away and yeah. you kind of have like that hindsight. Yeah. But like, so... I had a train of thought and I lost well, it for a second. Well, so it was, it was an outward transformation first. When did it become a complete transformation? Yeah, like at what point Mind, body, soul, are you, yeah, when are like you bought all in? All this, like, is changing. <laughs> my junior year. Okay. Fall okay. Of my junior year. And what are you buying into exactly? Um, this idea that there's an, an evil patriarchy that, unbeknownst to me, had been oppressing me my entire life, that the cards were stacked against me, that as a woman, there was an uphill battle that I had, I was told that, you know, as a woman going into the workforce, that I was going to have to be twice as good to be recognized for half as much as like a, you know, average white male, quote unquote. I mean, that's a really harmful idea mm -hmm. to put in the mind of a 20 year old. Like you're not building her up, you're breaking her down. Mm -hmm. So the patriarchy was the big one. Then of course, you know, the systemic racism that this country was founded on, that was another one. Um, so racism and really just this, this intense fourth wave feminism that you had to be the man you wanted to marry. You know, that was one that, uh, a woman, a, a man is to a woman as a bicycle is to a fish, right? Like, we don't need them. We can just be independent. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we shouldn't value ourselves as someone that could be a partner. So really, the the male hatred is, is taught to you. It's entrenched. Mm. Um, and I mean, I had one of my, specifically my gender studies professor, who, of course, like, I thought she was really cool, right? She wore Doc Martens. I was like, this woman is so different. I love my Doc Martens. <laughs> <laughs> and she had been a lesbian separatist in her 20s. So what does that mean? That means that she lived as a lesbian and didn't communicate with men. That's who decided to come teach the women's college. You know, makes sense like in she hindsight. she didn't communicate with men at all? No. Or that's what a lesbian separatist okay. is. Her specific experience, yes, she probably had to speak to men at some point. I don't know, but that's but that's like the um, the ideology right. behind it. So that's who was teaching me about feminism. Is someone that at her core like really hated men. So I mean, it was all the books that I was given, and also the fact that you know, Mar it. It's underlying Marxism, all of this. You hear a lie enough times, it becomes mm -hmm. a truth. It's now seeped into every subject. So even though for me it started with gender studies, it then, you know, it went into history, it goes into science. It, it has bled into every single subject, so there's no avoiding it, especially now. You know, yeah. this was a couple years ago, but it's, it's in everything In now. your 
going to classes, hearing all these things, like your extracurricular activities, like your group of friends was just in your, like based from your college? Like, did you have friends like that were not, that you would hang out with that were not like on campus? Cause like, I'm assuming like if all of this stuff is happening and you're hearing all this stuff during, during um, classes also at the same time, like if you're going out after class for an afternoon to hang out with your group of friends, I'm assuming the conversation is still the same, just continuing what you're learning and talking about that. Yeah, so my, I, I felt like I was living two lives at one point while I was in school because I had my life at school and then I had my life in Florida when I would come home and see my parents and I still had friends that I'd gone to high school with that I would go out with and I would see and I would catch up with and I would try to tell them about my school and it was so different than anyone else's experience. I mean, I definitely, like my school is on the forefront of all the social justice movements. Like I would talk about these things and then I started to feel like, I care so much about the environment. I care so much about feminism. Like you're beneath me. I can't be friends with you anymore because you don't care about these same issues and the patriarchy yeah. and burn your bra. Like it's so all encompassing that I ended up, you know, a lot of my friendships that I had had from growing up or from home, I sort of distanced myself from those people in the same way that I eventually ended up not talking to my family. But I, I'm so interested with, because we've run into this a lot as we try to empower women, like mm -hmm. to be able to take back like their safety and actually be independent enough to take care yeah. of themselves. Like where did, were firearms even on your radar at all? Like what was the sentiment <laughs> on campus about women having tools and being empowered to defend and protect themselves? Like where did you fall in line with that? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the idea of owning a gun was so far separated from anyone's mind. Like, it just wouldn't, I don't think people even said the, the word Second Amendment on my campus. Okay. It was not even considered. But it, for a group that hates men and mm -hmm. props up rape culture yeah. and these things that are happening to women, yeah. how do they offer you to combat that? Just change men? Become a lesbian. <laughs> But what do you deal with with the other men well, out like there in the world that could do this to like you? You you go into the workforce and you you um, rise above them. I think is kind think of that is okay. Not a solution. It's not a it's not a solution, but it's you know you scoff at them, you judge them, you whisper under your breath. Yeah. It's and um, I was telling you before I have a funny anecdote for you that in in 2018 when I came home to Florida to work on the Andrew Gillum campaign, which is very sinful, I know. But I remember being in my parents' house, and at this point, we had stopped talking for a while, and I was kind of working on repairing a relationship, so I was in their home. And, and I found out that my dad, my parents are from New York City originally. My dad moved down to Florida while I was in college. I found out that he had bought firearms and kept them in the house, and I started crying. <laughs> Why? What was? What were the tears for? Fear? Like betrayal. I don't know. Okay. Like betrayed because he was believe like he believed in the Second Amendment, yeah. something that was just like yeah. not even like part of your just system of thought. Because leftism today, okay, intersectionality. That's the big word. So if you you can't just be a feminist, you also have to be an environmentalist. You also have to you know, um, support trans rights. You also have to be anti-gun. You have to really fall in line hmm. with all of the rules. And so if someone's breaking one rule, it, it's, it attacks you at your core. Okay. It's mm -hmm. so emotional. So the fact that my dad had guns, I was like, oh, 
it was too much for me to handle. Oh. Yeah. 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 So you mean like this group of that are promoting diversity is yeah. not very diverse. And it's actually like creating very fragile people. Because they, uh, they yeah. seem very, were they happy or was this like an angry group? Did you recognize like if they were happy or unhappy at the time when you're there on campus? I, I can speak from personal experience. It's funny you use the word fragile. I became very fragile. I actually ended up turning to anxiety medication and, and self-medicating because I was just, I mean, it's like everywhere you go, there's there's some sort of bias and inherent bias like and you just assume everyone around you is bigoted and, and you look for instances of bigotry which don't exist it's not mm-hmm. real or you look for instances to get offended yes yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know i think that while you're there while you're on campus there's this level of camaraderie and there's no god so it has to be filled with something in this scenario it's filled with these ideas so for a period of time you have purpose but I think as that continues, as you look toward down these avenues and, and you start missing out on so much of life, how do you enjoy anything? Yeah. How do you date someone? How do you have a family? Like you can't if right. you're stuck in this. Right. So of course you end up becoming unhappy. But I think in that environment, it was still kind of fun because it was fresh and it mm-hmm. was something to believe in. So, all right, we're... So we're at well, senior year. Junior year. Yeah. So you said the junior year was a pivotal moment. That's when I switched, yeah. Okay. So switched to full on. To full on. Social justice warrior. Progressive. Okay. Yeah. So okay. you go home. Dad has guns. You're crying. <laughs> how's how's your relationship with, like, your, your parents at that point? So if they see you crying about this, they're just like, what, what what's happening? Are they like, what's, what, and are, are they paying for school at this point? Yes, so I do have I do have some student loans, yeah. but yeah, my mom paid for a lot of my school, and I had a scholarship yeah. as well. So that was one of the reasons for going to Mount Holyoke. Like I assume, okay. like you would yeah. go, you would go home, or you you would visit, you would have conversation, yeah. you would call your mom, and like, hey, how's school going? And would you share just like some of these things that you were doing, or like did they did they take notice like any like appearance changes? So. I, I would come home and I would start talking about these things, like the patriarchy and how, and, and how evil like the 50s were and just all these ideas. And my mom kind of started to be like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean that you're oppressed? What do you mean women don't have rights in this country? Like, haven't you had everything that you, haven't you had access to every opportunity? So it's, it started when I started coming home my junior year that my mom was like, what in the world is happening yeah. to my daughter? Like, I don't recognize her because the stuff that was coming out of my mouth and also there's something to be said like I think when you're brainwashed you know how you can sort of see someone's light you can see someone's energy through their eyes mm-hmm. like I'll look at pictures and even if I still look the same I I can just look at my wow. face and know that I was not I was different wow so you get to senior year like what were your plans after college like what were you going to go do with your life um, I th- think I was really committed to politics. I considered law school. I actually, I did go to grad school for a year. I got my master's, my MBA. I went to Spain and I did that. And the entire time I was in Spain is when um, the primaries were going on for for 2016. Okay. So I ended up coming back in 2016 and working on the Hillary Clinton campaign. So that's the, that's the Trump-Clinton? Yeah. Okay. And that really, like that ignited something. It got me going. And I was like, this woman's going to be president. I'm going to work for her. I'm going to go to Capitol Hill. There's an interesting, this was a statistic while I worked at Mount, while I was at Mount Holyoke, I worked in the admissions office. Like when I tell you I was bought in, I was bought in. (laughs) (laughs) You were all in. I remember being told, I think it was at the time, like 
20% of Congress representatives are women, and of that 20%, it's like 70% went to women's colleges. Mm -hmm. So I think this the seed of politics was really planted in me there that yeah. maybe I'd go. And it wasn't just, and it wasn't from the angle of public service, do something for your neighbor. It was the, the motivation was go be a woman for representation, go be a woman in Congress mm -hmm. because they need more women. Not because I had this desire to serve others, mm -hmm. which now on the flip side, all this has happened. And my goal is like, I want to bring people closer to God. You know, I want to share my story and help people. This isn't about like being a woman sharing my yeah. story. It's just about sharing it because mm -hmm. someone's going to hear it. And I've had so many parents reach out to me, even today, because I was on War Room this morning. Parents have messaged me saying, my my kid went away to school. They don't speak to me anymore. Thank you. I now have some clarity on what's going wow. on. What, what did the Hillary Clinton presidency symbolize to you at this point? And how is this going to change your life as a woman? And really for women's rights in general, what was Hillary going to do for us that no one had done before? <laughs> uh, she was going to break the proverbial glass ceiling. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> what, what was that ceiling? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what were we so oppressed from and chained down from that she was going to be the breaker of chains? I'm not... Not sure, but but you had to have believed she was going to do something. Yeah, I think at the time I, I liked her policies. You know, I followed her a bit as First Lady and what she did with the Children's Health Care Protection. I, I don't think I agree with anything now. At that point, I thought that maybe her policies would help people. I, I don't believe that anymore. I, I don't think that democratic and progressive policies help people. So you worked on that campaign for how long? Uh, it was a few months. It was must have been from August through the election, and you work every single day. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what campaigns are like. It's really fun. You work 13 hours a day. I mean, it, it's... It's intense. So yeah. take me to election yeah. day oh boy. of that year. I want to know what, when well, you woke you up your, that morning. You, you tell your parents you're working on this campaign, right? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. And I, I assume they are, we know that they are not for Hillary. They are not for okay. Hillary. Okay. So I didn't even, this is um, kind of a testament to how, how I was like very, I was trying to rebel. I was offered an interview in Virginia and I packed up my car and I went and I didn't tell my mom where I was going. And I ended up getting this job on the campaign and they put me in supporter housing and I wouldn't give my parents the address of where I was staying. Oh, for no reason. Yeah. It's like my, they hadn't done anything to me yeah, right. except for love me. But I was like, I'm going to stick it to you because you're not supporting this. And I'm not even going to tell you where I'm going or what I'm doing. Mm. And and that's like kind of silly because I was going and staying with strangers. Yeah. They ended up being very lovely people. Nothing against them that I disagree with their politics now. They were very nice to open their home. But that was just, and that was encouraged, you know, mm. like, yeah. don't tell your parents what you're doing. They're the enemy. And that idea was also put in my head while I was in school by my peers, not just my classmates. Yeah. So I will hold them accountable for that. And, you know, the intentions could have been good in that, but the intention to break up someone's family is never good. It's never no. good. It's never nope. good. Nope. And that's like at the core of mm -hmm. what yeah. progressivism is trying to do. But I'm okay. So I'm like, election I gotta know. Time. So you wake up election morning. Yeah. I put on all How are white. you feeling? Okay. All right. Walk, walk <laughs> us through. Is that white pantsuit? <laughs> I, wear, I wear white white jeans and white, I'm like, white blouse. Okay. I had shoes, actually, that had American flags on them, which is so funny because, like, she was not patriotic, but I <laughs> was trying to lie to myself. <laughs> Your version of patriotism, yeah. you know, at that point. So is the, the energy, it's electrifying. Like, you guys are all like, we have, have y'all convinced yourself we got this in the bag? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyone that could be voting for Trump had to just be silly, and we felt bad for them, you know? Mm -hmm. The mindset was, like, these people are dumb. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I mean, my at the time, like, my mom was in Florida uh, bundling fundraising for the pre for President Trump. Like, she, she really liked him, and she would try to tell me, because, you know, we would we'd talk a bit, she'd, we'd touch base. And in my mind, I was like, oh, she's so silly doing this. Like, I don't know why she's doing this, because Hillary's got it in the bag. Oh. Um, so it's not she's wasting her time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I was like, oh, you know, so sweet. And she'd be like, I'm, I'm in Florida. Like, this is just, you know. Yeah. And she... <laughs> she had love, you know. Yeah. But I woke up that day, and it, the energy was, we're winning. Not even a question. It's by how much do we win. Yeah. Okay, so the votes start rolling in. The evening. It's I the forget evening. what time. We, we fast-forwarded to yeah. the evening. Yes. The states start getting called. <laughs> What's happening? And, like, where are you? Are you with all the other staffers? Are you with the entire campaign? Like, What's going on? I'm in a Virginia campaign field office. Okay. So we had a couple of them. So the one that I was in, it, there weren't a ton of people, but there were some people there. And election day is a long, grueling day. You wake <laughs> up super early in the morning to get to the polls. You're knocking on doors. You're calling people. You're doing whatever you can to get out the mm -hmm. vote. You know, I'll, I'll give Democrats that. They have a really good ground game um, that's, you know, totally billionaire-funded. Yeah. But, you know, besides the point, people can't see the hypocrisies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that night, I remember I, I was sitting on a couch in a campaign office, like, so excited. So I'm like, this is it. Like, we're, America's about to show us that, like, we are equal. Like, women have got this. <laughs> Let's go, girls. Women power. And, and the, votes Girl power. Are, the votes are coming in. And I have my computer in front of me. And I have it on, of course, like, the New York Times map because it's got to be the New York Times. Yeah. Couldn't be any other source. And I remember I just keep refreshing, refreshing, you know, because the, the states will go either blue or red. And I fall asleep for a bit because it was kind of late when, when oh, yeah. it was yeah. called. I fall asleep for a bit. Okay, I wake up and I hit the tab button because I fell asleep for a long day. <laughs> hit the tab button and the map goes red. And it takes a minute and then it hits me and I just break down. I burst into Wait, tears. Wait, you were in the campaign office? Yeah. Or, okay. I was in a campaign office. I'd fallen asleep on a couch for a bit. That was, like, not a big deal. That's kind of the, the yeah. vibe were on campaigns. Were there other people there with you? Yes, and as soon as I realized, like, I looked around, everyone just kind of had a look of they'd seen a ghost. I, I just... <laughs> was this right when they oh called it, or...? No, this was after. They'd already called it, so everyone had already experienced that I was asleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, no, so no one bothered to wake you to let yeah, you know. Yeah, to let me know the news. <laughs> And it really felt like America was telling me I didn't matter. And it felt like that because someone had planted this idea in me that America hated women. So what did you think about all those women that did support Trump? That felt completely free and great and happy. That <laughs> they weren't feeling the same, like... Despair <laughs> that you or that you felt. <laughs> You're just like something is wrong with them. Like, don't they see the chains they have on them? Okay. Yes, I was so mad. I well, was so like, then... you sad, sad women are are so blinded. <laughs> you don't see the truth. So when do your truth blinders come off? My blinders come off in 2020. Okay. During wow. the BLM riots. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what that's what woke me up. Is finally. Perhaps because I, you know, during lockdown. Um, so wait, so then just really quick. So the campaign, the, the election happens. We, we know who the new president's going to be. You are done with the campaign, supporting the campaign. You go back to school? No, I, um, 
I so I'd done, I graduated college 2015. Okay. Did one year in grad school, graduated from grad school 2016, immediately joined the campaign. Okay. After the campaign, you know, tried to come to Florida for a bit because that's where my parents were. Couldn't do it. I was like, whoa, Nellie, this is Trump country. I got to get out of here. <laughs> 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 so I moved. I moved to New York, um, pursued Wall Street, and twenty. So that's, so that's where you're at. You're you're in New York. Yeah. Okay. Working, living your life. Working, living my life. Twenty eighteen comes around. I start to feel that like sense of duty. Like I've got to do something. Hillary lost. Like this. And then twenty eighteen was a big year. That's I think when AOC got elected. Okay. Um, so I decided to come down to Florida and join the Andrew Gillum campaign, which was the like very progressive. I. Democratic campaign, which before that it was it was Bill Nelson, his Senate re-election. He didn't win re-election, um, but I left my job on Wall Street. I was like, I'm going back into this. Um, simultaneously, actually, I made some life changes, so I got sober, and in that time, literally had a clear mind. Okay, so off the anxiety <laughs> pills, off the, and the anxiety pills, pills. That you were prescribed wow. before. Okay, yes. Um, so I gave myself that time, and in that period, I reconnected with a higher power. I started to believe in God again. Not hugely, it was like I started to just believe in energy, little things, but tried praying. I would say serenity prayers in times of anxiety when I didn't want to take something. Mm -hmm. And just those actions made it so, you know, I was on this campaign, and I started to actually see the dark underbelly of what was mm -hmm. going on, and that these people were on that campaign specifically, we're very obsessed with progressive ideals. It was it was pretty crazy working on that campaign. Mm. And I also realized, like, I didn't think that anyone had intentions to help people. It seemed like it was just about power. It mm. wasn't about, like, helping mm. helping Floridians. And, but even then, I, I, that, losing that campaign didn't turn the light on for me. It just, I started to see a little. But really, it was 2020 where I had two years of you know, sober thinking, mm -hmm. two years of starting to reconnect with God that I I was free, I guess, from leftism and twenty twenty, you know, just sort of saw what was happening and, and couldn't deny the hypocrisy anymore. And your driving wow. force to reconnecting to God was really just to manage being off those mm -hmm. the anxiety and yeah. like trying to find a way to yeah. kind of cope. Yeah. Without the without the pills. Yeah. Wow. What's your mission now? Like when you you obviously, you had a big platform open up for you, which yeah. I'm guessing you probably never thought this would be your path. Um, yeah. what, is, what is the message and the mission that you were hoping to share with people? I really want to speak to young women. I, I think it's important. I wish someone had, I wish I had been able to hear all of this when I was 20. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to speak to young women, 20s, 30s, 40s, also to families, but primarily to young women to let them know that, A, you can pursue career and, fam and family simultaneously, that we can, can reject this narrative that we have to be men and be everything and that we have something to prove we don't. First and foremost, I'm a child of God. Um, so I, I want to help people to see that in themselves. As a parent... I'm dying to know, like, what can you tell parents? Mm -hmm. What can they do? Mm -hmm. If they see this happening to their kid, is there anything your mom could have done or said? And what should parents say? 
The most important thing that my mother did for me is that she did not affirm my newfound identities. When I came home, I was like, mom, I'm a feminist, mom, I'm this. I was questioning everything about myself. I was like, I'm an atheist. I don't know what my sexuality is, what yada, yada. She looked me in the eyes and she said, no, no, you're not. And it was a risk because I ended up not speaking to her for a period of time, but she stood her ground and because she knew me. You, parents know their children. So if your child out of nowhere comes home one day hmm. and they're saying there's something totally different than they've ever been and you know in your gut that this isn't them, you gotta, you gotta stand up, you gotta say no, honey, and, and try to redirect them back to, to reality. Mm-hmm. Gently, with love, delicately, but parents cannot buy into it. They cannot affirm. And the new bill that was presented in California that Mm -hmm. children can be taken away if parents don't affirm them, it is so scary to me Mm -hmm. because, you know, parents do know. And like I said, if we're meant to be perfect in the eyes of God, why is the solution changing everything about you? Should parents stop paying for college if they are seeing (laughs) this radical transformation in their kids? Yeah, take them out. Take them out immediately. Or let well, them figure out how to pay for it if they want to continue to, to do that. I mean, like, should we go that extreme as a parent? Like, I guess you just, it's hard to know when to step in and right. what to do. But I'm like, mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, bye. Pull, your yeah. free ride to college is now <laughs> gone. And like, yeah. I'm not going to pay for that. Like, this is not what I sent you to college for. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I would do. Would you encourage parents to do the same thing? I think parents, if they're, if their children are adamant about going to school, I think they should encourage staying in state, staying maybe a little bit closer to home so they can just be a little bit more connected to mm-hmm. their family. I think the fact that I went so far away made me even more susceptible. I was so removed in mm. such a different environment. I also think, you know, young people, if you don't know what you want to be, don't go to school to find it out because you're just mm. going to leave with more questions about who you are. You know, unless you want to be an, a doctor or a lawyer, like you have to get an undergraduate degree or if you're an athlete I think that athletics are still I think that's a reason to go to schools mm-hmm. to continue to train and, and do your sport but if that if you're not convicted for any of those things why 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 would you go why don't you take the money actually learn through experience through mm-hmm. life start a business start something small right. or buy some land yep. you know have your if your parents are offering to pay for school maybe take that money and and put it somewhere else to actually learn something from yeah. experience as opposed to learning from someone telling you and a ac- career academic who's never actually done anything outside of a classroom. Yeah. Well, because it's not education anymore. It's it's literally it, them telling you how to think, yeah, yeah, how right. to behave, how to believe. Like, that is yes. completely different than actually going and trying to learn yeah. something. Yeah. So I just thank you so much yeah. for sharing your story. And I know that you've probably opened the eyes of a lot of our audience. Um, we've got a very wide range of demographics that listen to this. So uh, where can people find you if they want to hear more about your story or connect with you? Where where can they connect with you? They can connect with me on social media. Okay. It's just uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Annabella Rockwell. Also, you can email me directly. My email is Annabella at AnnabellaRockwell.com. Okay. A-N-N-A-V-E-L-L-A. You can look me up. Please, please Are you reach speaking? Out. Are you open for to be booked for speaking engagements? I am. Okay. I most right. definitely am. I would love to speak. I think that it's so important important that we share stories and especially person to person you know being in a room being here we're at the young women's leadership summit just being in a room of other people even if you don't agree even if you do agree I mean I just think that's how we 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 get the truth Mm -hmm. out there last question did you ever end up buying your own firearm 
<laughs> Do you own a gun? Have I you been don't, shooting? I don't have a gun. I have been shooting. I have been shooting. Part of You're the, not crying. It's crying anymore. I'm not crying. Um, as a result of me crying, my dad made me go shooting with him. That's a that is That's a good dad. Like, yeah. He yeah. is. He is. He was like, I'm gonna. And he sat me down. He's like, I had to go through all these classes. I, I take this very seriously. Yeah. And you know, I was so scared and I was so skeptical. But I did go. And you know, I haven't really been back. Yeah. But I don't have a problem with anyone owning a gun yeah. now. Well, you know, good for I you. Get it. Yeah, yeah. well, that's well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And thank you guys you stay guys. tuned for um, some more amazing guests coming your way. Not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexa Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girls, Alexa Athletica LLC, and Stami Tactical LLC cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared.